right, welcome to this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host. Sketchy Richie. No, 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 my friend. You're not Sketchy Richie today. If you say it, you're getting punched. You're Slick Rick. No, absolutely not. <laughs> that's, that, that's not a thing. Uh, I'm just messing with him. But uh, on today's episode, we have a special guest and one of our friends in the studio today. Bo, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everybody uh, your podcast and just all of that. All right. Guys, I'm Bo Kennedy. I'm the host of the Bump Podcast. Um, Bump is an acronym. stands for the Believers of the Unexplained Monsters and Paranormal. So I'm really excited to be here. Thanks to Josh and Richie for having me on. Yeah. Absolutely, man. We're happy Absolutely. to have you. And uh, Bo... <laughs> I remember the first time I think that I talked to Bo and I learned that he was actually in the same town. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that you're, was you're, you're here? So I was kind of uh, mind blown by that. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but we had the opportunity to talk with Bo several times and he actually contributed some stuff to Dark Holler, uh, some research there. And uh, I saw Bo, I was like, whoa, I didn't know Bo was in here. <laughs> and so that was, uh, that was really cool. But uh, on today's edition of The Sword and Staff, we got the gang together to have a conversation on Appalachian cryptids. Uh, so, you know, it's our October spooky month uh, series that we're doing. We always try to save our craziest spookiest uh content for this month this is the month where we get a ton of listens and people tune in because everybody's wanting spooky stuff right yep. and last year uh you all showed up in a big way during the month of october you all put us on the itunes charts for the very first time and uh thanks so much for that that was a year ago um but yeah still thanks so much for that we're hoping we do the same thing this year and that Bo gets to be a part of that as well um and so yeah, so let's dive into the conversation, fellas. Let's talk well, about First, it. before we dive into anything, uh-huh. uh, we're talking about how spooky Spooky Month is, yeah. but I'm looking at something a little bit more spooky than Spooky Month right uh-huh. now. Yeah, I'm sitting you here. You want to explain to the people Everybody already what knows. I'm everybody knows my style. Everybody they haven't knows, seen it, though. Everybody knows that I'm uh, sitting yeah. here covered up with a <laughs> with a big, large blanket looking at these guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to get our audio right. I'm, I, just because Richie and uh, Bo are sharing a mic today, I don't want their audio to bleed over too much onto my microphone, and that's more work for me later on down the road, and I'm in a hurry. <laughs> so, at least we're not sharing a blanket. At least. I mean, <laughs> they are sharing a way we probably would have been <laughs> they are sharing a mic they are not sharing a blanket so i'm not a podcast tyrant so <laughs> i mean that's that's to be determined i guess but the the blanket days of evil are over today that's true today, today yeah today will be They're the last done. one yeah yeah we bought some uh like little isolating audio like almost like miniature audio like booths. little sound booths yeah little sound yep. booths and so we'll be using those uh starting next week and uh so hopefully that uh, just adds another improvement to the audio quality moving forward. And we're being clear. It's the little sound booths and no blankets on top of that. I've really grown accustomed to the blanket. No. I mean, it's very comfortable. You get, you get makes me feel Makes me feel safe. I mean, what else could you want? I guess. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's get into today's conversation um, because we are going to have an uncut section at the end of this. We are going to talk about for the very first time some of the project that we, we um, are planning on working on with Ward Heine. We'll get into some more details about that whenever Ward gets on the podcast here at the end of the month. But we're going to be releasing a teaser before that podcast. We'll talk about it more in depth. And we've got Bo in the house. We've talked about it a little bit with him, shared some of what we're doing. He thinks it's cool. So we're going to talk about some of it with him 
after this episode. And uh, so, if you're wanting that content, you're going to head on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com backslash Sword and Staff Order. Just $5 a month, you can get that bonus content. You can hear that conversation that nobody else is going to hear. And Bo will have a copy of that for his podcast as well. So, let's get into the conversation, boys. Let's talk about Appalachian cryptids. Where y'all want to start? Wherever you want to start with. Let's start, let's start let's with start what with everybody knows. Let's start with what everybody knows. Are we going to have to have a battle for MVP supremacy? Between- no, there is only one. <laughs> Bo doesn't like that, okay? <laughs> there is only one. I know Bo is a big-time fan of Flatwoods. I am a Flatwoods guy. Now, if we're speaking of high strangeness, yeah. we'll, we'll absolutely... Flatwoods monster is the king, but just like the overall sort of well-known cryptid of West Virginia, it's got to be the Mothman. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start with let's Mothman, do it. then. All right. Um, let's start with Mothman. Like, uh, so let's let's kind of talk about Mothman. Um, well, that's a word that I like. In West Virginia folklore, the Mothman is kind of viewed as this humanoid creature, right? It kind of looks mannish, right? Um, yep. But it's also um, very moth-like, right? Um, and if, if I'm not mistaken, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, um, the first reports actually reported Mothman as the Birdman. Yeah, the sightings pre sort of high strangest flap that went through the area where the Mothman came from. They okay. there were sightings of a being they called the Birdman. So, okay. all right, um, and that's so, the same ones the guys were digging the graves when they saw yes. it. And it was a it was brown. Yeah, up in the trees above them. Okay, so, yeah. cool. Um, so that's pre pre Mothman. That's free uh, pre Silver Bridge collapse. Yes. All of yeah. that. Okay. Um, the big time sighting that we all know about, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is November 15th, 1966 to the area of December 15th, uh, 1967, so for over a year. Um, the very first newspaper, uh, the Point Pleasant Register, um, titled an article, Couple Sees a Man-Sized Bird Creature Something. Something. <laughs> something. <laughs> Um, and then eventually after that, National Press kind of picks up on reports and they spread the story across the U.S. Um, also, the Mothman, he, he gets introduced to a much, much wider audience through the work of Gray Barker. Um, I'm trying to think of the book that Gray Barker had. It was The Silver Bridge. Is that what it was called? It's, I'm almost certain it was The Silver Bridge. I'm pretty sure it was called The Silver Bridge. Um that was my dryer. It sounds like it's boxing. <laughs> the bell has rang. Uh, Mothman and Flatwood Monster are going to battle it out now. Um, but really, Mothman finds his popularity with John Keel in his 1970 book, The Mothman Prophecies. Right? Um, that's you know basically Keel writes that book, and uh, you know basically he talks about supernatural events related to the sightings, and then not just the sightings, but also the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Right. Um, that gets picked up in a film later on, uh, it's 2002, called The Mothman Prophecies. And that was, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> I think, I mean, I had always heard of, you know, Mothman growing up. It's it's West Virginia folklore. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, this is, I mean, like, the people in Ireland. Like, you're going to come in the house, you're going to get carried off by the Mothman. Like, people in yeah. Ireland have their folklore about the fairies. Right. In West Virginia, you have the folklore about the Mothman. Yes. Right. Um, but the first time that it really kind of came into my mind, and I actually thought about it, was whenever I saw the movie in 2002. 
Um, I was like, whoa, like this is, I did <laughs> like, not, whoa, this is in my backyard. <laughs> wow. I, I had no clue that there was a bridge that fell and yeah. that Mothman, you know, um, but I, yeah. So after that, you know, my dad claimed to see the Mothman once and, you know, <laughs> he called me once actually, uh, he, he had, uh, dropped me off at my grandmother's house and then he got to Madison, which is just down the road where our church is at. And he's like, you're not going to believe what I saw. I was like. Well, he said, I saw the Mothman, and he shot straight up into the air. It was just above your grandmother's house. He's going to be on my show. (laughs) (laughs) I want to have my dad on on the bump. Please do it. Yeah. So, so Dad, if you're listening, um, get you some time. We got you a show to go on. Um, But, um, I don't know. Okay, I don't want to take up all the time here. You guys can also talk about Mothman and some of the stuff you all know about Mothman. Um, I know that, Richie, um, you can speak to this a little bit more. Um, there is some connection there with some other high strangeness in the area, right? With things like injured cold, stuff like that. I don't know if you want to kind of bring that into the picture and kind of tell the story a little bit about all the the high strangeness flap that happened in Moth or in Flat or not Flatwoods. Whoa, whoa, Point Pleasant. Bo, you can feel free to chime into that sure. as well. But let's talk about that a little bit. Kind of give some people an overview of the story of the other events surrounding yeah. the sightings of the Mothman. If you read the book Mothman Prophecies. Um, the actual entity or whatever you want to call it, Mothman, he's like almost a footnote in the book. Yep. You know, he lasts for a couple of chapters and then it goes on to all this other high strangeness. Uh, John Keel kind of wanted to link Mothman with an ultra terrestrial type thing. He gave it, um, and even to the Garuda, mm. which is an Indian bird god, which goes into, yep. you know, uh, bird deities. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. That link. That's uh, fascinating. It's pretty cool stuff. But yeah, there, there was tons of stuff going on in this flat. UFOs everywhere. Um, a, there was a being supposedly like hovering over an apartment or over a playground or something. You might know something about that one. He had like a silver shimmery clothes, his long flowing hair. Oh yeah, it was some sort of like they described it almost like an angel, like an, yes, angel, an, an like angelic an angel visitation. Hanging yeah. out, right? I remember there. that. Yeah. Um, around. Wait, wait, where was this at? Point Pleasant. It's in Point Pleasant. Was this? In, this was in the, the in the same flap. Yeah. 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 Same year. Wow. No, I've never heard of that. It was that like people were calling it like a messianic vision. Like they 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 described it as being like an angel or something. A striking. Yeah. Angel. Well, the, yeah. the shining part, too, yeah. is a fascinating connection. Maybe I'll tie that in a little yeah. bit later on, but that's really interesting. I mean, the lights in the heavens. You, that's well, that's what I was about right to say. Into you know, it, yeah. Lights in the heavens, you know, angelic beings being related to stars and the shining lights and, you know, cherubim and, you know, being burning ones. And We literally made those connections back on our spiritual beings yeah. episode we did on UFOs. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. That makes yeah. that case even more fascinating. So, okay. Um, let's talk about a little bit more of the high strangeness host. So I didn't know that, but um, let's talk talk about injured cold a little bit, right? Because injured cold oh, gosh. connects into this as well. Do we talk about uh, historical injured cold or let's talk about historical injured internet cold. meme injured cold? <laughs> let's talk about historical injured cold, and then we can move out a little further so, from there. Woody Derenberger sighting. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Start there. Go. Go for it. You go for you it. You started out. Well, I, you know. Uh, I don't have dates here in front of me. We don't need the dates. Just at the scene where it happened. Well, at the initial you know, Woodrow, Woodrow Derenberger is on. Is that 60? It's not 64. It's outside Parkersburg. It's, yeah, uh, I can't remember what highway that is. Um, yeah, but anyway, Woodrow Derenberger, he's driving, was he, he's driving home from work? Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, he's driving. He's driving home um, late at night, and as he's driving, which we talked about this a little bit in the Fire in the Sky episode we that did. we did, um, so it's kind of fresh. But uh, he was driving home, and then as he's driving home, there is like this craft that basically is literally hungry. descends and lands in front of him in the, on the highway. Right. Um, and that area is actually kind of a famous famous place. Like people stop there at that mile marker. That yeah. Did at. you see the link I sent to you all in the group chat today? It's an updated version of the UFO sightings in West Virginia. No, I've not had a chance to look at if that. If you look, the Parkersburg area absolutely dominates the list. Really? Even mm-hmm. back like 60s, 50s. It's a list that goes back even to like the 30s on there. So you just need to check it out when you get on there. Okay. I will check that out. Um, so uh, this craft lands in the highway and uh, a being comes out and he speaks telepathically to Woodrow Derenberger. He said, if I'm not mistaken... He says he never saw his mouth moving. Yeah. All he saw was him grinning. Yeah. Right. That's where the grinning man sort of meme yes. comes from. It's based in that sighting. Yeah. And uh, he he asks uh, Derenberger, what are you called? Yeah. Yeah. It's not what your name is. It's what are you called? And, you know, he kind of introduces himself. And he's like, I'm not here to hurt you. You know, that kind of thing. But, you know, there are meetings that happen with Derenberger and Andrew Cold. After that event, like apparently, like they almost become like acquaintances. Yes. Um, and you that, know, what do you call theme? We even that's something that Betty and Barney Hill even experienced in their right. abduction. And we yeah. even had a patron come forward with a story about uh, a dream that his wife had about this angelic presence that even asked her, you know, told her, "What are you called?" When it inter- introduced itself to her. Yeah. So that's a weird sort of connection, connecting point. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this was a part of the Mothman flap. Yeah. So was it just Mothman? Um, you also had injured cold, and then you had other stuff too, uh, anomalous type beings like the MIB, the Men in Black. Men in Black. And I'm not talking the Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> Men in Black. I'm talking about um, uh, humanoids who pose as government entities, I guess you could call them, um, who, while this flap was happening in Point Pleasant, um, they are going around town telling people. Don't be talking about this, you know, that kind of stuff, right. kind of stifling conversation on it. And, like, everybody's account of them, especially if you're reading Kill and stuff like that, is, like, they're not quite human. Like, they're, they're something else. Right. Um, so, I don't know if you guys have got anything else you want to add to that, but... Not right off the bat. I know that they were in town and they would threaten uh, Kill's partner. The, she was a, a journalist. The lady, yeah. I forgot what her name is. Uh, yeah. It's okay. like right on the tip of my about. tongue, but yeah. she's the one that started getting th- really threatened by them at first. Didn't she pass away here recently, or is she still alive? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know even of the uh, the she initial sightings. The, she worked for the newspaper in yes. Point Pleasant. Yeah, yes. yeah. <clears throat> I can't remember her name, but I remember who she, I remember her, um, and, and that's part of the story. Yeah. Interesting connection points here. Let me weave this in a, a little bit with some mythological stuff because. We're gonna have various people listening to this episode. <clears throat> we're gonna have we're gonna have crowd who who are here for the paranormal cryptid stuff, and then we're gonna have people who also tune into our podcast for the mythological stuff because we deal with that a lot too. Um, in this area, there was also heavy Native American a heavy Native American population. If you were to go to Point Pleasant today, there is a stone that is carved in the form of a ziggurat. Um, and it's called the Water Panther Stone. It's right there at the what Tua Tua Indy. I can't. It's something like that. Yep. Uh, yep. Park right there on the uh, the 
kind of corner of Point Pleasant where the rivers are at. And uh, there's a water panther carved on it, which is a Native American spiritual being. Um, but the leader of the, the clan that was there was named Chief Cornstalk. Okay? Um, Chief Cornstalk was the father of a uh, Native American who died right here in Logan County named Princess Aracoma. And um, I have a book here in front of me uh, called uh, Early Native Americans in West Virginia, The Fort Ancient Culture. And it's a survey of Fort Ancient Culture uh, Indian works here. And uh, apparently, from what I understand, there is a mythological um, bird being uh, that, that goes back to Native American mythology. And actually, here in downtown Logan, Bo, we were talking about this before we come on the podcast. Right. Um, they tore down a hotel there called yes. the Aracoma Hotel, right? Yes. And what was the story with that? Um, if I remember correct, I might get a couple numbers wrong. That's okay. But, uh, yeah, when they tore down the Aracoma Hotel, which mm-hmm. that means there was already a structure there. That's right. Yep. Okay. When they tore that out and they put in a new state building, you know, mm-hmm. for people to go pay, um, you know, to get their WIC stamps or child support payments or whatever. It's a big yep. building downtown. Um when they were moving all the stuff out to build that foundation, they came across, I can't remember, Josh, if it was 13 or 35. It was, I want to say it was like three dozen. It was it was close to 35 graves mm-hmm. uh, in that area. And along with pottery and stuff like that, it was a mass grave of Native Americans, um, Shawnee, I believe. Yes, it was. So they removed those, and there was nowhere offered up around this area to reinter these um, bones mm-hmm. so there was a uh, uh, a club uh, whatever you want to call it <clears throat> I don't know the exact name of them uh, there was a, a group from New York that came down and claimed the remains and took them back up there to uh, their property okay and just so- that sort of rejection and like the way that the the locals treated the remains of the natives, that's a catalyst for a curse that's similar to what you have, what you see in Port, in Port Pleasant, Pleasant with like, yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, Cornstalk's curse. Whenever putting he's, this curse on the town, right? Yeah. Um, which people believe relates to the Mothman. Still, even so many more parallels now with with Aracoma and Point Pleasant. Well, I've got this uh, this book here, um, and it, the the remains were given to the Seneca Nation in in New York, and. Um, Interestingly, most of the burials were extended and articulated with their heads oriented towards the east. There's some uh, theological significance to that, um, mm-hmm. at least biblically. Um, uh, man was exiled east of Eden, right? And right. whenever um, Israel had their tabernacle and their temple, you entered into it from that same direction as well. And so there's almost like a trace memory there in that yeah. culture. And you can get into many reasons, perhaps why there is that trace memory there. Perhaps there was these people migrated from, uh, you know, one continent to another from the Babel event, and maybe a land bridge got covered up or something, and you know, divided the continents. But it seems that there's a trace memory there in that culture. But um, here's the point I wanted to get to. Whenever they were looking at the uh, the remains, it says another individual, an infant, was buried with a marine shell gorget engraved with a birdman motif on his slash her torso. This is the only instance of this type of courgette reported so far in West Virginia. Mm. So 
you have connections there <clears throat> with this Birdman yep. in Native American uh, mythology right. that connects geographically to Point Pleasant. Calls Ericoma's father was there. He he's buried in Point Pleasant, which connects us to the place where the Mothman was at, who was initially reported as a bird or something. All uh, of these layers with that initial yeah. connection. That's right. Between bloodlines, even paranormal activity, it's it's really deep stuff. Also, uh, the reporter um, for the Athens Register was that the Athens uh, Messenger. The Athens I think Messenger that's what it is. was uh, Mary. That's Mary Hire. Mary Hire. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's so <clears throat> the one who was working with John Keel. Okay. All right. So, um, some interesting stuff there with the Mothman. But let's move on to some others. Let's talk about the next one. So, you've never seen The Men in Black in Point Pleasant? No, I can't say that I have. I've seen Will Smith. And I can't say that, <laughs> and I can't say that I haven't. Ooh. <laughs> Do you remember? I remember you showing me pictures. Showing you pictures of the, and what happened that weekend. I remember you showing me pictures because you used to go to Point Pleasant pretty frequently. frequently now, odds are this dude was probably some sketchy, like... We're going to call him an alien drug dealer, but... An alien drug dealer. There was something going on. Like, he followed us around. Like, he, thematically, he was wearing all black. Had a black, like, beanie. Mm-hmm. Like, a black tracksuit. Yeah. And he literally followed us around the whole weekend. We asked people in town. The people in town said they don't recall seeing anybody like that. They don't know anybody like that. The cops weren't aware of anybody lurking around the town like that. But literally, we would go to the TNT area and hike around, and he's there in a black truck... Parked at the end watching us. We go to downtown Point Pleasant, and he's there hiking along the park and the flood wall. Three o'clock in the morning, I get up, and I go to the hotel. We're staying at the low hotel. And I go, and I look out the window at towards the river, and I look down, and under the streetlight, looking up at my window, is this same guy in all black. It's hmm. fascinating. He shows up the minute we're down in town, start asking people about the Mothman, and then he shows up and is following us the whole weekend. So mm. I can't say that I haven't. I had an experience with the men in black, yeah. but whatever yeah, that guy was, he gotcha. fits the bill. All right. So let's talk about the next one that is very, very well known here in West Virginia, and that's the Flatwoods Monster. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So The true king of high strangeness. Yeah, oh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that the Flatwoods Monster case is actually called the first true high strangeness um flap kind of in yep. America, if I'm not mistaken. So, Bo, I know that you are a big-time fan of Flatwoods Monster. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, the story of the Flatwoods Monster and just kind of how that transpired. Sure. sure. Um, trying to not look at my notes here, but it was September 12th, 1952. Uh, a fireball, I guess for lack of better words, was seen going across the sky in the small town of Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia. It crashed into this hill. Um, kids were outside playing around. They noticed this um, this crash. It was the May family, mainly, um, if I'm not yep. mistaken. It was the Mays. Uh, three or four kids, I think. They had a, uh, there was an older guy, maybe 19, 20 years old from the National Guard home um, visiting, and one of their mothers. They all decided to go up there on this hill and looked at this crash site to see what was going on. You know, they thought maybe a, a plane had crashed or something like that. They get up there and there is this being, uh, I want to say like nine or ten feet tall, kind of robotic, kind of reptilian maybe. Um, this huge spade-shaped head kind of floating off the ground. Uh, some kind of noxious gas. Yeah. You know, emanating from underneath, 
uh, a lot of oil looking substance are on the ground yeah i remember the greasy substance on the ground in yeah. the report yeah. they they freak out run out of there um i believe the dog gets sick yeah um did, so yeah, did, did they a, have some eye like irritation? They all had eye irritation, uh, conjunctivitis. I that's, think it was. That's right. Yep. Um, Interesting carryover to the Mothman prophecies. Yes. Movie too. Right. Yes. Yep. Uh, this got reported. It was taken very seriously. They had uh, the actual Project Blue Book. I was going to say they came in yep. and checked out this yep. this instance. Uh, the FBI was there. The uh, I think it was either the National Guard or Active Duty Army. I can't remember which one. But they came in and cleared the area. And uh, they eventually ruled it out. You know, they tried to rule it out, saying it was an owl in a tree. Is what the, uh, Always the owl symbolism when it comes yeah. to things around which here. Is, which is a bird. Which is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is also interesting, too, right. because an owl, symbolically, is related to... It, it's a being that flies in the sky, but at night, and it's uh, it's it, it attacks other animals. So it does have some symbolic... Um, well, in occult symbolism, it symbolizes high strangeness, the paranormal, the spiritual right. realm. So those, those sightings are always tied and linked together. And a kind of... Mm-hmm. Um, even a kind of uh, keeper of dark, veiled knowledge. Because think about it symbolically, right? right? Like, it's dark. Yeah. Right? Dark is things that are veiled. They're hard to see, right? And right. so owls are... That's why they're pictured as symbols for occult knowledge and secret things and veiled knowledge, right? Esoteric type things. And so it's still even like it's kind of interesting that like it's still yet um, somewhat like there's still yet something there that's symbolically related. And Richie has shown me a video of us, uh, I think, going around the mountain where this event literally, happened while we were in yeah, Flatwoods. Literally fa- at the place where all this stuff happened. Yeah. In, in Flatwoods. Okay. One of our expeditions there. Let me ask you all was there any other events that happened around that one, or was that the only one? Uh, yes, Frametown. I think it was. Uh, ah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't really know a whole lot about that, but there was a uh, something else interesting with Flatwood. So there is a flight path mm-hmm. that you can track this crash. It went through several states. It was spotted that it was, night. Yeah, that's right. It was spotted through several states. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Flatwoods also a big time hotspot for? Bigfoot sightings, big time yes. hotspot, and not only that, it's it has one of the most famous sort of paranormal locations, like in in the country with the Heyman House. Yes, Sutton sitting, yeah, sitting right there in Sutton. So it has a lot of interesting paranormal threads that run through it that goes beyond like cryptids and things too. Richie, tell us about a being that you came across the other day in UK folklore that was very similar to. Flatwoods monster because they, they talk about the Flatwoods monster being almost mechanical, right? And um, that's there oh, was wow. A, Are we really going to get? Oh into yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, I, we're extending out of Appalachia here, but there's a parallel here, and I'm going to make a point with it later on. I thought you was going to save this one for if we're thinking about the same one for a completely a solid episode on it. Oh, like we can do itself, a solid but, episode okay. on it later on you got to give me a second to find it. Well, so while you do that, I'm going to connect in uh, Bigfoot to some more mythological stuff here. Let's do it. Um, like, in, again, here we go with Native American stuff. Um, in Native American folklore and mythology, there is a being that is seen very uh, parallel to, to Bigfoot. I can't remember what it's called. It's not the Yowie. We talked about this a while back, Richie. Um, it has a Native American name. I can't remember. But it's like this spirit of the woods 
that's out there and it's it does the knockings and the things like that and it's kind of this keeper of the of the woods right okay um so there even is a parallel to bigfoot in native american mythology and this these beings that we're talking about here um again so this is a kind of bridging the gap here between the paranormal and the mythological um these types of beings seem to have been things that people have been encountering for a very long time we just give different names to them. <clears throat> You're talking yeah. about the Yahoo. The I think that's, there it is. That's it. It's yeah. not the Yahoo. The the the, the, the uh, what was it? I'll the Yahoo. It's the. I'll sit there. Yahweh, the Yahoo, yeah. something yeah. like yeah. that. I was about to call it the Yahweh, and I was like, no, that's not no. the Yahweh. Daniel Boone claimed to have shot one. Really? Yes, I have a like his journal. I got a copy of his journal at the house. Yeah. And he claims to have shot a Yahoo, and he talked about like it was just any of his other adventures. You know, didn't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> it's just like, another day. Like it, it's just something that's there. I just shot this know? hairy man out here, and yeah, just another day at the, just another day in the, the office in the woods. Yeah. Capping yahoos. That's, that's Capping <laughs> yahoos. That's fascinating. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah. So Flatwoods is a place that has high strangeness associated with it, just like Point Pleasant. This happened like a a decade, I think it was, before the Point Pleasant flat. About fifteen years. Yeah. About fifteen yeah. years. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, it's really clung on to that. I, I hate to interrupt. No, 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 no. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Sutton, no, no. they have the Heyman House. Is like It's an attraction. Yeah. You, know, you can set up tours. They had the Bigfoot Museum out there, yeah. and they had the Flatwoods Monster Museum out there. So they, they really capitalized on this, and yeah. I wish our area would do that. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah. And <clears throat> maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. But... Towards the end, because, yeah, some of the work that we're doing ties into some of this. When you look at the, the High Strangers flap itself, and especially with Mothman or Flatwoods Monster, there's this build-up sort of climax release when it comes to this these sightings. Like, you have uh, UFO sightings and apparition sightings and things like that that, that uh, come before this major sighting of, like, Mothman. Like, before the Mothman himself was being seen, there was UFOs seen in town. Yes. There was abduction of animals and things like that. The same thing with, with the Flatwoods Monster. Before people, this experience with the Flatwoods Monster itself, the people in town were reporting fireballs in the sky, UFOs that preceded this apparition. So there's that same pattern of high strangeness, and you can take it to the United Kingdom. Are you wanting to get into... Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. That's actually what I was looking for. But at, later on in the 70s in the United Kingdom, they had their own sort of... Flatwoods Monster. Flatwoods Monster. Let's talk about that. It was... Bo was like, what? Yeah. I'm it not, was I'm in May of 1973. So same? Same with the... It's, it's like it, right the here same in between. Yeah. It's kind of in between Flatwoods Monster and Mothman. Yeah. And I don't know if it's Isle of White or Isle of Man. It's yeah. one of the two. But uh, they call, they call it, you can Google it online. It's called the Sandown Clown. Oh yes. Have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a weird one. When you get into the uh, specifics of this sighting, there are so many parallels to Flatwoods Monster that it's that it's shocking. When uh, Ward was actually telling me about it not too long ago, yeah, that's the first time I've ever heard of it. But even if you look at what they mean when they say high strangeness, mm-hmm. that there's a spiritual aspect to the sighting itself. Oh, and there's Flat- multiple phenomena yeah. occurring at the same time. Flatwoods Monster was the first American yeah. version of this. But in the UK, the Sandown Clown is is like their Flatwoods Monster. Like even down to with the Flatwoods Monster, you it's described as being mechanical, spiritual, yeah. all, at, all at one time. Right. The Sandown Clown is literally the same thing. It yeah. had mechanical aspects. Even the girl, one of the, the kids that saw it 
talked about it being very mechanical, but also she she asked at point blank, like, are you a ghost? Like, she said there was something spiritual, ethereal about it. What it was it he said? He said something. It was like, yes, but no. Yeah, it was basically like his version of yes, but no. It was yeah. like, you would understand me in the parameters of a, of a ghost, but I'm not. Yeah. So... Uh, but they go into like a shed or a building that's like out in the woods. It's like a windowless metal building, like yeah. similar to, I guess it's the UK's version of a flying saucer at the time. Yeah. And and then they, it's like metal whenever they go in, like the floor is like metal. And then like they go back, or they leave and then they go back and it's gone. Yeah. But first when the, the children were walking like down the path, they hear this loud wailing siren mm-hmm. and they're drawn to it. And when they find it, yeah. There's a yeah. That's that's yeah. no. I don't want to run into that. Okay, so even like just in a physical appearance, yeah, it has the same spade. Type. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. The spade shaped head, like the orange and red colorations, like almost like a tunic. Yeah, it, it colors like yeah. right. It was it was a green and uh, green and red. Green and red, which is also the physical description used for Flatwood flat Monster. Yeah, yeah. Um, glowing uh, roundish triangular yeah, eyes, glowing yeah. eyes. And- yeah, being very mechanical. Yeah, which is is very very fascinating. Um, so let me tie this in. But as if you well. look at it though, the the way the children were lured to this area, they heard this this wailing sound, but only according to them, only they could hear it. So there was a construction crew not far off. Like the kids could see the men working on whatever this was yeah. during the sighting, but they the men couldn't see this clown figure. They couldn't hear the wailing. They couldn't even see the children during the sighting. So it really plays into a lot of face stuff. Face stuff when you look at the United Kingdom, right? That he was first spotted under a bridge, like his hand came up out of the bridge. That's how they saw him. He's under the. He was dabbling in the water, if yep. I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Which is very fairy esque. Yeah. Which we talked about a little bit in the last episode, the Fairy Gods of Ireland. So if you haven't listened to that, check that out. But I've got a quote here that I read in that episode from um, W. B. Yeats in his Irish folk and fairy tale. So this is tying in again mythologically. Um, he's got a section here. It was on the Tuatha de Danann, which were the gods of Ireland. Um, he says, are they the gods of the earth? And you're going to see how this is related here yeah. with uh, the Sandown Clown. Um, are they the gods of the earth? Perhaps many poets and all mystic and occult writers in all ages and countries have declared that behind the visible are chains on chains of conscious beings who are not from heaven but of the earth, who are not inherent from, uh, who have no inherent form, but change according to their whim or the mind that sees them. You cannot lift your hand without influencing or being influenced by hordes. The visible world is merely their skin. So there's this idea here of these, uh, you know, fairies, um, and not just that, but let's expand it, expand it to what we're here talking about here with Flatwoods Monster and the Sandown Clown. There's these beings that have these similarities, but they have these little differences too, and it seems like that they <clears throat> manifest themselves in a way that people um, perhaps understand. Like, yeah. people have their own names for them, their yeah. own understandings of what they are. But, like, make no mistake about it. Like, these seem to be beings that are the same. <laughs> like, yeah. they have the same right. characteristics, even down to the same descriptions. So, it's fascinating here. Again, people have been encountering these same things for a very long time in various places. Right. Um, and even with yeah. the, like, the episode we've done on abduction phenomena, where we link abduction phenomena with fey abductions... And things like that. The uh, the actually the the father of the kids. Well, even uh, things with like fairy lights. Yeah, same thing. It's when yeah. you look at fae phenomena, UFOs, anything like that. There's so much overlap. It's 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 common source. Yeah. 
But the the dad actually, when he heard the story, even though she said it was a ghost, mm-hmm. he called a UFO investigative group. Like he reported it as a UFO sighting, instead of it being like a spirit or something. So he even saw the similarities even then with somebody who's not really aware of that sort of pattern. Why do you guys think that this being that has fairy elements also manifested itself in a mechanical way in Flatwoods and in the UK? I have a theory, but I just want to it's see if y'all the have. industrial age. It's the age of the machine. There you go. Uh, I was it's a mask of the phenomena. Yeah. yeah, something very similar. That's uh, Maybe that's how it was received because that's what yeah. our brains go to. Yeah, right. Well, I, you know, I thought about it this way. Um, we the lens that we have for most of this stuff that you know would be, have been considered mythological and I don't mean mythological in the sense that it's fake I mean just it myth mythology, myth is just a story that gives yeah. meaningful answers to tough questions right um, so uh, perhaps it's a skin that we're familiar with because we think of the, the category we have is UFOs right. and machine and craft and so perhaps the like Yates is saying here, it's uh, the world is its skin. Like it's manifesting itself uh, according to the categories yeah. that the mind has. That's right. very common with the paranormal. You go into a location and the phenomena seems to manifest according to the perceptions of the people actually experiencing and witnessing the activity. So you could go in there and what you you it meets your expectations of what you think this thing should look like. Mm-hmm. So if you're there and you're expecting to see a UFO, an alien, the phenomenon is going to meet that lens and manifest in that way. If you go in there expecting to see a Bigfoot or uh, a woman in white, like it, it dons that mask according to your perceptions. Yeah. It, it almost, in some ways, reminds me of the show Midnight Mass, where we did a chin wag about that. Gosh, it's oh, been gosh. a year ago now. Where, you know, you've got this story of this priest. He's out, um, you know, on the road to, uh, I can't remember where he was going. It was where the Apostle Paul was. But, um, Anyway, and he encounters the vampire there, but right. he sees it, he interprets it as an angel. As an angel, yeah. And that's the category that he has for this kind of yeah. being, which, you know, so it's it's very similar if you've, if you've seen the show. So good ex- practical example of that. It is. It's good. All right, guys, I'm going to let y'all choose the next ones. I wanted to start us off with those two. Y'all, this is y'all's wheelhouse. I'll let you. I'm, I'm going to weave this stuff in in my own way. Right, we've, right. we've knocked out the, probably the top two, like... Yeah. Most common, and and some others by extension, and yeah, some others by extension. But there are some. There's a ton of others that people might not be familiar with. Well, let's hit them. Let's talk about. Them. Can I throw one in that is? Please do. Way out there. Do please, it. please do. Um, please do it. It's actually European, and it's going to bring it back to West Virginia. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm let's here for it. it. Let's do it. Um, in Beckley, West Virginia, there is an antique shop. Okay, I won't give the name unless you want me to. But the curator of this shop happens to own i guess you'd say a cryptid creature what? that is very much alive and stays in the shop okay don't give out this shop's name because i'm gonna have to go get it nobody's <laughs> gonna have to go get it but me it uh it's called an ovenick ovenick i've never heard of that and it's a german cryptid okay kind of like uh an elf kind of wow. weird creature it's about the size of a cat looks cat-like very yeah. cat-like but with uh Hands more like a monkey, uh-huh. um, rounder eyes, yeah, kind of devilish. That feline aspect to spirits like that is very fey, like the tinker yes. spirits you see in the United. Yeah, yes, very yeah. much so. And uh, I had a guy on my show actually. Um, I forget. I cannot tell you episode or whatever, but 
Uh, we, we got into this discussion. He's just a paranormal researcher. You know, he came on the show. He talked about experiences, ghost hunting. And then he's just like, oh, by the way. And he's witnessed this creature in this guy's shop. He goes into the back, looks into a mirror. He sees it through the mirror behind him. Wow. Turns around, watches it jump down, run underneath this uh, buffet in this antique store. Um, followed it crazy. back into an office. It pops up out of a box. And he's swearing on, like, everything. Yeah. That he's actually witnessed this cryptid creature called the Ovenic. Wow! Yeah, man, we're gonna, where can I get one? Is the first thing that yeah. I want to yeah. that I want to know. Yeah, like maybe right we'll off the talk bat. off off. Uh, yeah, off we, need to, we need to we need to make a trip. That's enough to get us back to West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah, it's a crazy one. And yeah. you say it's uh, Beckley Germanic. Yes, that's yeah, interesting. You, you can look him up. I, uh, Given uh, talking about Helvetia and the weirdness that that, that the Germanic people brought to the area when they settled around here so it's if, interesting if anybody wants to look him up Ovinick is O-V-I-N-N-I-K Ovinick okay so it's, it's a weird one yeah that's awesome alright your turn yeah your we're turn. definitely <laughs> going to go find this dude okay yeah for sure oh gosh what one what do you want to get into now do whatever one you want whatever one you want do you want to get into the what people would call the wampus cat the Wampus. Please, please or do. The, the, they probably know it more in West Virginia by just a Black Panther sighting. Let's talk mm. about that. Mm. Yeah, that'd be good. Oh, you messaged me. Yes. Yes. So, well, I'll let you tell that because you even had today some reports of this Black yeah, Panther you sighting. Did have oh, reports this of this very thing. morning. Yes. This, well, that's an interesting uh, um, connection. One of my former students and a current student came to me today with reports that they saw a Black Panther. Um, in the Hearts area here. So it's like 15, have, 20 minutes away from here. I have some experience with this too. I'll get into it afterwards. Um, um, we'll be driving through Hearts on the way home. They described it as almost waist high mm-hmm. uh, or almost to the truck, you know, at the truck door. Yellow round eyes that kind of glowed. They uh, def- described the face, the jawline. They could see this creature. Did not get a good look at the tail. That's what I was going for. Yeah. I was asking about the tail, but they said uh, body shape, head shape. It was 100%. They saw a panther on the road. You know, whenever I was growing up, um, one of the things that I was always told was do not go out into the mountains alone because the black panther can get you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And I mean, <clears throat> to me, that was just common knowledge yep. growing up in West Virginia. And I remember. You know, being as a kid, being out in the yard and hearing described uh, or, or hearing what I would describe as a woman or a child like screaming in in yep. the mountains. Yep. And you know, I've been around bobcats and stuff. We've got bobcats in the you know Chief Logan right, Park and right. the, the you know, and this wasn't quite the same. No, right. um, but yeah, I have heard. I mean, that has been something that has just been a normal part. Of life in West Virginia, it, it is normal. It is here. It's yeah. like it's not even a cryptid to me, right? But yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no doubt. And you see pictures like going around all the time yeah. on Facebook. People yeah. like, hey, check out this. And one. it's actually a Native American principality. Like it's an elemental spirit. The Wampus is. Oh, so you're so, connecting it into mythology mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it. Well, just look at things like the water panther in right. Point Pleasant, and right. you even look at the symbolism of the black jaguar. In South American cultures, it's a guardian of the underworld. So it has a spiritual aspect associated with it, even across various cultures. So it's hard not to separate the two for me. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Richie, your turn. Go. I thought that was my turn. Well, you let Bo talk about it. 
Oh, what do you want to talk about now? The the sheep squatch. Well, listen, I don't know sheep squatch. I know beef squatch. So listen, I, I don't. I, to me, sheep squatch is close enough to like Bigfoot that I just kind of chop it up to that. Yeah, but okay. there's also some aspects about it. They describe it a lot with like it being whitish with red eyes. Okay. But they, you can also go so, into the West okay. Virginia, the Appalachian white thing, and it's yes. sort of the same. Okay, so hence the name Sheep Squatch. It's yeah. white. It's white. has horns. Okay. Yeah. White with horns. Okay, that's fascinating. I've never heard of that one before. Um, kind of reminds sort of me like of Sort of like Pan, but he's like the Hulk. Like a white Pan. White Yeti Pan. Yeah. yeah. White Yeti Pan. Also super big, white with horns. Kind of like a uh, Wendigo. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. now I've heard of the Wendigo. That's more like an antler than a horn, I guess. So. Right. Um, if you know about the white things, I would love to hear more because I've always just kind of brushed them off as, you know, misidentification. Well, uh, the white things are sort of West Virginia's take on almost forest shapeshifters, but they all share this commonality. Each manifestation tends to be white and have red eyes. So they've been spotted in the form of a dog with red eyes or a deer with red eyes or some kind of giant bird with red eyes or these hulking creatures with with their eyes glow in the dark in the forest. So... They're, it's 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 really hard to kind of pinpoint it down when they just each time you, they're described they take a different form. Right, that's, that's yeah. why I've had a hard time with them. They're so many different shapes yeah. and sizes. Well, and this reminds me in some ways about Irish folklore with things like the changelings and okay. the, you know the banshee because um, you've got those things there that are very similar that take on different shapes forms almost like people you know things like that like children and then you've got you know other stuff like the banshee that's very very similar so like this stuff seems to be everywhere in some ways they everybody has their own version of it um let's talk about the hopkinsville goblins before you get to that okay what people would know probably the white thing better as is the grafton monster or the grafton beast okay all right yeah no i I and then if you played fallout 76 is that what it is yeah. With the West Virginia, that's actually in there alongside the Mothman Flatwoods Monster. Right. Grafton so, Monster. He was like the size of a refrigerator. Yeah, he was very like boxy and bulky and four foot wide, eight foot tall, no head. Yeah. They thought he was actually wow. headless because of the way his head was said to have set down on his body. He yeah, had his no neck. Yeah. He was a monster. He was beef yeah. he was beef squatch. Yeah, he he was beefy <laughs> and his skin was they said it had a steel like texture. June sixteenth, nineteen sixty four. So around the same sort of high strangeness flat. Yeah, a lot of stuff went down there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think it is? Literally, it erupted from like even like uh, Roswell is associated with this flat. So it right. just literally went across the country. All this this mass sightings of various. Does that have anything to do with the what is it called the eighty uh, the parallel? Thirty eighth parallel. Thirty eighth parallel. Um, is it thirty? Seventh parallel? What is it? I can't remember which I one think it is. Thirty-eight runs through here. Yeah, thirty-eight does run through here. Um, I'm wondering if there's any connection between that. I don't know. I don't either. Something we have to look what, into. Yeah, we uh, have the book. I don't know. I think did I you send it home with me? I sent it back with you. You probably did. It's it's gone forever now. It's, it's gone forever. But the I think opened a portal in your room and took it. I guarantee yeah, it. I've got more, a lot more sketchy things in my room than that. <laughs> I have. A collection of like vintage occult objects I've gotten from my time in paranormal investigating 15 years. There's some sketchy things. Richie on the has a paranormal museum in his Basically. home. Basically, <laughs> he's like uh, the Warrens. Oh no, 
so, all right. Well, let's talk about Hopkinsville. Oh boy, um, and the goblins there. Um, and this is connected even into some of the recent. And it is stuff. the thirty seventh parallel. Thirty seventh parallel. Okay. All right. Um, so, I mean, this connects in. I mean, this is a, even a modern thing that's kind of going on, like with Hellier, uh, if anybody's oh, yeah. watched that. I mean, that's how the entire case started off was with... Oh, there's an aspect of this case that really ties a lot of the High Strangers together. We'll get to it when you get to it, but... Well, I mean, I don't have the numbers here in front of me, the dates, but um, but I, I can... Uh, the I'll, three-toed footprints that are associated with the Hopkinsville monster, the goblins, right. the Flatwoods monster was said to have three... Three toes. Three fingers. The Stand Down Clown had three fingers, three toes. It's a very weird aspect that's tied to a lot of this high strangeness. Yeah. Um, and don't demonics. I was going to say, yes, we talked about the last thing. <laughs> Even I've been scratched in the paranormal before, so and it was in three. So I always thought that, okay, it's theorized that they're mocking the Trinity and it's right. something like that. But it never occurred to me until recently, maybe that's what they have. They have three claws, three fingers, but... Yeah, that's definitely something that's tied to spiritual spiritual manifestations like that across the board. Yeah, that is a majorly common thing. Um, but if you if you were to check out the Hopkinville Goblins case, it's also known as the Kelly Hopkinville encounter mm-hmm. um, or the Kelly Green Man case. But basically, what it was is um, uh, Hopkinville, Kentucky. Um, there was a uh, a group of of people. Uh, it was August twenty first, nineteen fifty five. Well, closer to Flatwoods. Yeah, yeah, right after Flatwoods. Yeah, right after Flatwoods. Um, five adults and seven children. Little spacemen too. They arrived at a police station, uh, claiming that a small, small alien creatures from a spaceship were attacking their farmhouse, and that they had been holding them off with gunfire for nearly four hours. As one does in Appalachia. Yeah, that's. Right. I mean, that's that's exactly right. Uh, again, not shocking. You're yeah. not going to come and take yeah. our chickens. It's you're, not you're, you're spending the night fending off paranormal creatures. I mean, it's just from normal. taking your chickens. It's that's normal. I mean, it's the same thing with the Black Panther, right? That's right. Like, it's the same that's thing. A Tuesday night in Appalachia. <laughs> just another. Just that's that's how we do it. <laughs> but uh, so. Basically, uh, but they said that they were fending them off with gunfire for nearly four hours. And two of the adults named Elmer Sutton. Elmer Sutton. Hmm. Sutton. Sutton. Sutton, West Virginia. There you go. West Virginia. Synchronicity Uh, right there. uh, And Billy Ray Taylor claimed that they had been shooting at 12 to 15 short, dark figures who repeatedly popped up at the doorway or was peering into them through the windows. And so, you know, the the police, who were concerned about a possible gun battle between local citizens, um, they and so it was four city police, five state troopers, three deputy sheriffs, four military police from uh, the nearby U.S. Army Fort Campbell drove to the Sutton farmhouse located near the town of Kelly in Kentucky, and their search um, apparently, uh, allegedly, uh, you know, uh, yielded nothing apart from evidence of gunfire and holes in the windows and door screens uh, made by the firearms. But, um, again, there are uh, lots of talks about there being three-toed footprints yep. from them. Um, residents of the farmhouse, um, there were more people. Um, one was named Glennie Lankford and her children Lonnie Carl- uh, Carlton and Mary, uh, two sons from the previous marriage, and Elmer, uh, Elmer Sutton and John Charlie Sutton. And their wives, uh, Vera and Aline. 
so these were people who were there as well. And Aline's brother, uh, whoopsie daisy, um, hold on a second here, I lost my place. They uh, they also claimed that the creatures were there. So it wasn't just the people who showed up at the police department. Yeah. These people claimed it as well. And um, the uh, they and they also claimed this is really interesting that the creatures were returning at three thirty in the morning. And so there's a connection to there with other paranormal phenomena that apparently happens in that About three, three a.m. three a.m. range, yeah. which is you know also referred to as the witching, witching hour. Yeah. Right? Uh, which is again supposed to be a mockery of, you know, Christ. Oh, yeah, yeah, on the, cross. the miracle hour. The miracle hour. Yep. yep. Right. Um, so that's a little bit about, and that's still yet a thing. I mean, if you watch how your, that's how it starts. Yes. People are claiming a uh, Dave Christie um, claims uh, writes an email claiming that they're dealing with goblins coming out of the caves and the coal mines in that area, and they're doing similar things. And so that's one that's still ongoing. Making chirping noises. Kind of right. like the Kellyville yep. Goblin's dead. Yep. <clears throat> so the Hopkinsville Goblin. There so, you go. Um, you guys got any more you want to throw out there? I know somebody mentioned the Snallygaster. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's one that's in uh, Maryland. The Snallygaster is kind of like a pterodactyl-type <laughs> creature, I guess, with one eye and... Its mouth either has tentacles coming out of it or like multiple Like tons. Cthulhu meets a biblically that's accurate angel. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sounds like very Lovecraftian. It, it, it sounds to me like somebody saw a crane with an octopus you yeah. know, on the coast yeah. freaked out. Um, but it is what it is. This uh, Snallygaster was the Snallygeist or something. It's another German yeah. folklore yeah. creature. Sound very German. And um, apparently, I think it... Uh, there, there was some kind of connection to alcohol. Do you, are you all familiar with the story? It's been a while since um, I looked into it. But I know the geist part of it, and it alludes to something spiritual, because you, with poltergeist, it's like noisy spirit in, in German, right. so yeah. there's that aspect to it. Yeah, I think it had... Uh, I don't see it right here. Yeah, yeah it's right here. The Snallygaster's offspring surfaced around 1932. It was huge, the size of a dirigible and had long octopus-like tentacles. After numerous sightings, the creature supposedly met its end when it drowned in a vat of moonshine. So that it, Appalachian holy water right there. Yes. <laughs> Killed the monster. The fitting end to the, the fitting end to the Snallygaster. I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. Let's, um, let's also talk about this. Um, demon dogs. Mm. Devil dogs. Devil dogs. Yeah. Demon dogs. Um, there's reports of that kind of stuff here in Logan. If you uh, toss away the Mountain Monsters oh episode God. of the Devil Dogs of Logan County, yeah, uh, nightmare, yeah, absolute nightmare, yeah. yeah, hilarious but absolute nightmare. Yeah. Um, so, um, Devil Dogs actually came up in a recent venture we had. If you remember, Richie, um, I won't expand on the details of that, except in the uncut, maybe in the uncut portion. Yeah. But if you remember, we were in this place. And there was some painting on the thing that said the devil dogs were here. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that kind of uh, actually, I think I messaged Bo and asked him if he had any uh, information on devil dogs yeah. in the area. But um, there's actually an ancient, an old photo, not ancient, an old photo of a woman in Logan County with a devil dog. I think that my, I don't can't remember. You can look it up. It's yeah. it's, it's there. I'll check that out. Uh, if you type in Logan County Devil Dog on the Facebook search, it'll be like one of the very first things that pops up. Yeah. It's like this huge, ginormous-looking dog. But um, lots of reports 
with that, which um, in some way connects to things like werewolves and and the dog man and the dog man, right? Yeah. Which uh, you know our our comrade uh, Tony Merkel um, and Ward Heine have uh, done. A, they did. Uh, yeah, the yeah. was it the hunt for the dog man. I can't remember. They went to the uh, the LBL and right. they they went. It was in Kentucky, right? right. They were in yeah, Kentucky, between the lakes. Which again, same this geographical area. There is just something to it. There have been several sightings of this. I, I hate to use the term dog man, but it's like a it's a werewolf to me. But well, okay, dog right. man creature on the road on the interstate um, between Charleston and Huntington. Ooh. Um, well, been several several sightings. Of you that. know, there are some interesting things in that area. Um, here's a theory that I have, and it's just a theory, so don't take it as gospel. I I think that the way that Aracoma and Cornstalk were traveling from Logan to uh, that area was via the Gondot. Yeah. Um, because from I was down in the library. It's been several months ago. And um, there was a local historian named Sig Olufsen. He actually helped us. He's discovered a lot of stuff here, and I'll save hmm. some of that for. Um, there is actually um, there's actually uh, a memorial to him in the Madison Public Library really? that has some of his stuff there. Yeah, you can go and see it. I actually have some pictures of it. But he was a local historian, and uh, he was the head of the Boone, uh, the Boone Genealogical Society and the West Virginia Archaeological Society, which I'm also now a member of. And he also... Um, wow. Uh, he, uh, he don- Whenever he passed away, he donated all of his... They donated his library yeah. to the library. And there's actually a section that they'll let you go in to check out. And I sat in there for about an hour, hour and a half one day and was sifting through his library, and he had a history of Logan County. And I got a couple chapters deep into it, and from what I understand... Um, there was a time when the Native Americans left this region and then they came back because they considered it to be cursed. Yep. Um, which is really interesting. But apparently this it was so treacherous to get here that you couldn't come over the mountains because there weren't any roads at this time. Um, you had to use horse to come over the mountains. But the majority of the travel that happened here, from what I understand, was the guy and dot. There's a lot of uh, this is local. This is folk, you know, folklore. Right. Um, there is a lot of theories on how it got the name Guyandot. Um, one is uh, perhaps of Native American origin, which is the Wyandot. Oh, yeah, the Wyandot tribe. Um, perhaps that's it. Um, the French was actually over here, and they had maps of the area, and they had it as the Guyandot mm-hmm. on their maps. Um, also, there was a legend that there was a man who had an outpost on the river with the last name Guyan, which is a tied to this region. And right. so, apparently, they've never found any evidence of that. Right. Um, but that's another. They call it the Guyan dot for this guy. But uh, regardless of how it got its name, that seemed to be the normal mode of travel into Logan County. My suspicion and my theory is this that the Native Americans were using that river to travel to and from this place to the Huntington area, which can get you into Point Pleasant there with the Ohio and, yep. and stuff like that <clears throat> connecting in, um, which could also explain why there is Native American settlements down the Guy and Dot into Lincoln County, which is going to connect into Cabell County, and why you end up with things like the Water Panther, st- uh, not the Water Panther Stone, but the uh, what's the stone down there, Richie? In Salt Rock. Yeah, in Salt Rock. Uh, the Salt the, Rock petroglyphs. Yeah, the Ogham. 
Yeah. Uh, well, the Oakham is uh, over. We saw that. Yeah, we uh, went to yeah, that. That's in we Mingo County. Mingo County. Yeah. That's over uh, Laurel Lake. Yeah. Way out up in there. But in uh, Salt Rock, there's a petroglyph stone that has a carving that's called, they call it the Spaceman. Yeah. But it's a, it's a shaman. A, a, yeah, it's a, a crying shaman. Yeah. But on the side of it are the it depictions of these natives with spears spearing this horned so river horned, serpent horned in the river. river serpent. Wow. Yeah. Yes. I gotta check that out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, check that out. It is they are spearing a horned river serpent which they associated with the river. Yep. I think about at a phenomenological level, the river is windy. And kind it goes of like north. A, and it's yeah. Well the right. horned river spirit's another uh, elemental spirit, like a deity recognized by the natives so well and along think, with the wampus well think about how this would work phenomenologically um the river floods yeah. this is that so that being uh, exercising its dominion over you and you're warring against that so right. it's it's kind of the 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 bad part of the river personified um or deified i guess you could say um but I, my theory is that that's why you have things like that on the river right. is because they were traveling it Makes maybe sense. perhaps to and from um or, or walking the banks one direction because yeah. the current would be tough. Right. But uh, that's my theory. Yeah. And how uh, That's how I think the cornstalk ended I mean, there's no way, I guess, to tell right. for sure. But uh, that's my theory on how cornstalk ended up in Point Pleasant. Yeah, and uh, back to the devil dogs. Yeah. I associate those with a elemental spirit, a principality, the same way you would with, like, the wampus, the thunderbird, anything else. Because here, they, even in... Uh, like European folklore, they have things like black shuck, and it's this dog that's tied, that's seen, it's black with uh, fiery eyes, and it's associated with electrical storms or omens of death and sort of uh, the paranormal in general. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, regarded as a fairy hound. So it's, huh. it's a guardian of liminal spaces and uh, the in between. So Which is very akin to the fairies who. Yep. Uh, reside in the fairy mounds, which are these portals to below, right? Um, so anywhere you have a place that's considered a window area, you have these manifestations of these devil dogs. Okay. So it makes sense that they were seen in and around the Point Pleasant area, mm-hmm. in and around Logan, same thing. All right, guys, we've got time for one more. We're already over an hour. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, so one more. And then we'll go move to the uncut portion where we talk about some of the things that we've got coming up. We're going to talk about it with Bo. Um, Bo may may join us. Who knows on yeah. this this excursion that we're going to be going on? It's sounding good so far. So uh, one more. Whoever, whoever wants to take a stab at it. No gosh. Mm, let's see, I'm looking at notes here. Like I've, there's one that I don't really know if you count it as a cryptid. Go after it. It's that. Uh, do you remember the art news articles I showed you of that mountain octopus? Did I ever show you that? Uh, it's an actual article from a, 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 a newspaper in West Virginia. They even had a picture of it, and it was an, an octopus that was found in the waters. Huh. I think it was almost Blackwater Falls, the, the river up there in that area. Really? Like, there's a legend that the, the water is full of these mountain... Octopi? Octopi. Octopi kind of creatures. and what? That they grow to... Some of them grow in these caverns. Like, <laughs> picture the, the being in the, the chasms in Lord of the Rings, like, under... Cause of doom, that uh, giant watcher in the water, the a tentacled monster. Like it's allegedly this thing lives in underwater, sort of salt caves in in Appalachia. Well, let's maybe wrap it up with this. Let's kind of tie some of this together, okay? Sure. I mean, we've already connected in mythologically. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Like, um, what? Like, let's think about it biblically. What can we think of these beings as being, right? 
are they the angels? They demons? They something in between? Are they you know? What are they? Like, what do you guys? What's what's your take on that? Uh, coming from being a pagan, formerly, yeah, I, they absolutely in in magic and the occult, they are elemental spirits okay. from from my tradition growing up. That's that's what we believed about them. Okay, like even if you look into Bigfoot, any cryptid, you can see ele- elements of spirituality mm-hmm. and spiritual aspects. Well, you see that a lot with UFO them. stuff too. Exactly. There's a major like religious message with them. So to me, one man's Bigfoot is another man's alien, is another man's fairy. They to me, they have a commonality yeah. in this high strangeness. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's you. You can. I think that you can probably kind of think of that as something that falls on the angelic hierarchy. Yeah. Um, whether that be uh, you know an elemental spirit or a virtue yeah. or a, a higher type of being or something lower on the hierarchy, it's somewhere on there. Um, and a lot of these beings are associated with the elements, um, and a lot of them have descriptions as being burning, lighting angelic type luminous. beings luminous guardians beings, of the forest guardians, guardians of a particular element yeah. the rivers the yeah right and um so yeah you can i think you can kind of think about them and classify them so next time way. you see bigfoot board a flying saucer and head off that's, that's <laughs> he's an elemental spirit right there <laughs> getting in there with the, the the cherubim on their flaming chariot there you right. go you know um so good deal okay man well thank you so much for your time Bo. absolutely um we are going to now move to the uncut section of today's episode where we're going to talk about some plans that we got coming up with the new project that we're going to be releasing a teaser for here um richie do you got a date on that when we're releasing it we our hand has been forced so we have to release it this week so, our hand has been forced because yeah. our colleague Ward Honey has already been on a podcast <laughs> talking about it, and that drops uh, later this month before we were going to do the episode with Ward. Release leave the eighteenth, and they around. literally have the unlisted trailer already. linked in the show. So, yeah, so we've got we've to get on the ball. Yeah, we've got to get on the ball. So, if you want to hear about that? You need to head on over to Patreon. Head on over to www.patreon.com backslash Sword and Staff Order for just five dollars a month. You can hear this uncut conversation that we're about to have with Bo. Um, you're going to hear the details of it. You're going to hear some of the plans that we got coming up. And uh, you're going to get access to that trailer first before anybody else does. Um, it will drop on our Patreon before it drops anywhere else. You guys will have it first. And uh, we're also going to give Bo a copy of that podcast as well uh, with the uncut portion. So if he wants to drop it to his community, he can do that too. Absolutely. Whatever he wants to do. And uh, so if you guys don't have anything else, we'll move on to the uncut section. Let's okay. go. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. We'll see you on the other side. See you then. See you. All right. Welcome to this week's edition of The Sword and Staff Uncut. Uncut. Cue the sword noise. (laughs) Uh, And on today's Uncut edition, for you guys, we are going to be talking about our upcoming project. Drum roll, please. Shadow Appalachia. Name dropped it, did you? Name dropped Mm. it. I did. I mean, they're going to find it out. They're going to figure it out. Um Anyway, they're going to figure figure it out with Tony Merkel. I was going to say, yeah, Tony is going to drop it before we do, so we've got to get on with it. Yeah, so, um, but, um, so this is the new project we've been working on. We've been working on it for a while. we still got a lot more to work on. Been working on the concept for two years. Yeah. Working on filming it for a little over a year and a half. Yeah. Wow. And so there's going to be clips of us in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. There's going to be clips of us in Logan. Um, in various places in Logan, and out of all the shocking threads we're going to explore in that documentary or that docu series, how shocked are the fans going to be to see you 
full beard in half the show. And then no the, beard the rest. Oh, they're going to be very shocked. They're like, hey, who's that guy? He yeah, who's that guy? Yeah, so I started working for the sheriff's department, and the, uh, having a beard with the sheriff's department is a no-go. Um, so they made me shave it, which is kind of funny. You would think that you know you look a lot tougher with a beard than without. You look like a 13-year-old. So, But I digress. Um, so anyway, but um, let's talk about... Okay, so Richie, when are we dropping the trailer to the, to the patrons? It's a teaser, more than a trailer. But when are we going to be dropping that? I was in discussion with you about that. So uh, anytime before the 18th. So yep. probably on the heels of this episode right here. Probably. So probably within the week. Okay. All right. And let's talk about the idea of this. This. What is it about? Right. I'll let you take a stab at that. Well, uh, we, we wrapped up Dark Holler. Yeah, we did. We wrapped up Dark Holler. And it really focused in on a particular family in a particular place who would experience very particular things. Now we want to expand out from this to the greater Appalachian area, looking at it. Really, at the beginning of Dark Caller, Dark Caller was initially supposed to be a one-off documentary, and Shadow Appalachia was supposed to be the docuseries that followed that. But the more <clears throat> we dug into Dark Caller, the more it expanded out and sort of became a right. docuseries. Right. And Shadow Appalach- Appalachia got pushed to the... Yeah. back there but it was meant to focus in on Kristen Shadow App- or Dark Holler was yeah. and her story and then zoom out and show Appalachian how strange just the principality she was in contact with yeah. on a grand scale across all of Appalachia okay so that's what we're aiming at with this it is kind of exposing this principality that Kristen was in contact with in Dark Holler, but showing it at work in the greater Appalachian. Yeah, that we believe is the sort of source cue for yes. any and all high strangeness in the area. Yes, we are going to make the case that all of the paranormal phenomena happening in the Appalachian region is emanating from this being. Yep. And that goes for things like the Mothman, that goes for things like the Flatwoods Monster, that goes for all of that kind of stuff. That even goes down to your poltergeist activity. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be a lot of that in this this docuseries, I guess you could call it. Yep. Um, so, so far the plan is... Uh, it's taking us some weird places we never yes. expected to be. Five episodes in season one, and we're planning three seasons right now at, at sort of starting off. Yeah. Right. So we'll see where it goes from there. But let's talk about one of those place, weird places that it's taking us, which is a lost serpent mound in Logan County, which we told Bo about this before we got on here. Um, maybe Bo joins us on that trip. That's up to Bo. Um, I would love to. Let's hope it works Absolutely out. better be there. So let's talk about the serpent mound. A little bit and why we're going up there and why it fits into some of this stuff <clears> and why people should be interested yeah we're making a whole weekend of it yeah we are renting an airbnb so everybody has a place to crash if needed so yeah it's a big deal it's a big deal okay well all right so let's talk about this we discovered as we were doing some digging for shadow appalachia that there was a lost serpent mound in logan county in our backyard yep. that nobody knows about um, it, it was actually cataloged in the 1970s. I think we were researching the Horned River Spirit and the petroglyphs, and all of a sudden that came up. Like it was a serpent well, effigy the way in the it, area. The way that it came up was there is a local historian. I won't mention his name because um, he is not <laughs> he's not asked to be named. Um, but there's a local historian who posted about it. 
Um, and that was how I ended up. But we were researching the Horned yeah. River Serpent on the Salt Rock Petroglyphs at the time. And that just happened to synchronistically land in the lap at this exact same time. And I was like, wait, whoa, there is a serpent mound in Logan. And we ended up researching it. And like it's literally just right down the road from us, yeah. up on top of a ridge line. And it was cataloged in 1970. And it's not been touched since. There's been no research done on it. And people in the area don't even know that it exists. There's no historical marker for it. Like, it's literally lost. Yep. And th- these things are very rare, mind you. Um, obviously, if you're listening in at this point, you're probably a nerd. And uh, you know that there's the Great Serpent Mound yep. in, in Ohio, in Adams County. And uh, there's another kind of semi-lost uh, one in Ashland, Kentucky overlooking the big sandy river which maybe we'll go out to that one and look for it at some point who knows um but there is about one here season two yeah maybe <laughs> um but here's the reason some of, okay i want to talk about some of the significance that we think is going on with it yeah and i want to kind of zoom out a little bit and talk about um why this is important to shadow appalachia so um you know recently i've been reading about the serpent mound the great serpent mound in um, Adams County, Ohio. And here's the deal. I'm theorizing as of right now, now this is just theory until we get out there and we start testing things, that there is, my theory is that there is much overlap with this these two serpent mounds. There may be overlap with the one in Ashland as well. I don't know that yet. Uh, that's another that's another adventure. Thematically, based on what we've seen so far, I there, suspect I, there, there almost has to be. Okay. Well, so uh, I have Graham Hancock's book called uh, America Before, The Key to the Earth's Lost Civilization. A lot of people like Graham Hancock. A lot of people don't. Um, but he's got some interesting facts here about the Serpent Mound that's common knowledge um, in here. And so here's some of the things about the Serpent Mound that are fascinating. Um, number one, it is in a naturally anomalous area. And this area that it's in is known for things like uh, intense magnetic uh, anomalies, gravitational anomalies, um, and, uh, you know, under <laughs> underwater um, you know, caverns and streams and sinkholes and things like that. And the reason why is because Serpent Mound in Adams County is actually situated in... <laughs> a crater from a meteor impact that happened a long, long, long time ago. Probably around 12,000 years ago, somewhere like that. Um, and it actually sits, guys, on a ridge line in Adams County. Here is some LIDAR scans. Um, Ward was actually at the Great Serpent Mound here recently, and uh, he drove through the crater, and he didn't even know it. Hmm. So you can see here on these LIDAR scans, it sits here on the ri- uh, uh, ridge line and there's you can see here there's this major uh, major um it looks like a hill here that's actually the impact crater that's actually where the meteor hit and so this has caused the area to have many anomalies okay um and actually you know native american people were apparently drawn to this area they were able to sense this and it said that they viewed this area as an unusual transitional area that was considered to be sacred um they actually almost considered it to be a supernatural gateway or portal between the celestial upper world and underworld and um so that's an interesting fact about it um another thing here too is that 
I'm showing you all this. Um, the Serpent Mound is aligned with the cardinal directions in a very certain way. Um, actually, if you were to go to the Serpent Mound on the summer solstice, you would actually see the setting sun going down directly in front of the mouth of the Serpent Mound, as though it was devouring the sun. Um, this is actually fairly common uh, in the ancient world. I mean, I'm not saying that it's, uh, that it's not rare. It is. But... Um, a lot of the great works in the ancient world are structured this way. So, for example, Stonehenge. Um, Stonehenge was actually um, they actually that's actually been added on to. Um, some of those stones there were naturally occurring, like the what's called the hillstone and the sarsen stone. And this was an area that naturally um, uh, interacted with natural phenomena like that. So, for example, if you were to go to Stonehenge on this, I think it's the uh, yeah the solstices. You would see the sun set directly where the hillstone is at, and so what they did was they saw this as uh, the ancient people kind of viewed this as a place where heaven and earth overlapped, right? You see the natural um, overlapping with the supernatural, right? And so they considered it to be sacred spaces, and so what they did was they added on to them and made them sacred ritual places. So you see that with Stonehenge, um, Stonehenge, the stones that are there now, those monolithic stones. They are not natural. They were actually drugged, I think it was from like 18 miles away from another county to there. And the reason why is because it, it naturally was a place that interacted with this natural phenomenon. You got similar things with the Sphinx in Egypt. It also aligns, I think it's either with the equinox or the solstice, I can't remember. Um, you know, and over time they, they carved it to look like a, a lion with a cherubim type being with the face of a man, yep. you know, that kind of thing with the pharaoh. Um, so, same thing has happened with Serpent Mound in Ohio. Okay. Um, also, there was a altar that used to be there at the head region where the Serpent Mound was at, and uh, they used to do rituals there as well. I was so, going to say you should get into what you found in the book. Literally just today, <coughs> we posed these same questions to Josh mm-hmm. in a video call with Ward the other day, and because I had the some answer theories, was then. right in front of him the whole time. Yeah. So I have a book here. It's called Ages of the Giants: A Cultural History of the Tall Ones in Prehistoric America, and it actually ha- it's a, basically a survey of Native American, Adena, Hopewell, giant stuff, um, all up the East Coast, and it actually mentions the mound in Logan. Um, and here's what it says, and we'll get into some of the significance of this. Uh, one of the least known and tragically understudied Adena structures in West Virginia once occupied. Says once occupied, it's still there. Um, we actually, like it's still it's there. Still there. Um, this historian actually went there recently, so we know it's still there. Um, and I asked him about it. He said, "Yes, it's still there." To the mound in Chapmanville, the mound uh, up on Logan on the ridge line. There's one. There's a, uh, just an actual mound burial mound in Chapmanville. Wait, I don't know about this. I don't know about this either. There is. There's oh. a house right at it. It's a yellow house. Um, same historian. Tell me where it's at. Really? Yeah. Okay, we'll have to talk about it. Yep. Um, all right, so it says that it, uh, it occupied a ridge line near the town of Omar in Logan County. That's just down the road here. The site was a stone serpent mound described as similar in form to the serpent mounds found in Kentucky. That's the other lost one in Boyd County. And Ohio, that's the great serpent mound, by surveyor Gary Wilkins in 1979. So Gary Wilkins and Sig Olson, who was a local historian, they went and cataloged it in 79. It's been forgotten since then. No one's been there since. The serpent was oriented to the north, the head consisting of an oval ring of stone with a rectangular flat rock at the center. Um, also, it was uh, 
it, it there was a natural section that was around 51 feet in length, and then they added on to it to make it 80 feet in length. Now, here's why that's significant. Because that fits the pattern of other ancient yes, sites. Let me drop this Let book. me just drop this book. Let me drop um, this knowledge out of here. That fits the pattern of other structures, like the Great Serpent Mound and Stonehenge and the Sphinx and stuff like that. So here's my theory, and we're going to have to wait to test it. Um, I was at, we, we were asking the question, how is this thing aligned in Logan County? Is it aligned towards the north? Because if it is, odds are it is probably also aligned towards the summer solstice. I would bet, I'm willing to bet money right now that the summer solstice sets directly where the head region's at. It also appears that there could be an altar on the head because it mentions a rectangular stone that's different in the head region. Altars are rectangular. They represent yep. the four corners of the earth. Right, um, and you sacrifice something on on it, so it's kind of a microcosm. Um, so, uh, also, it fits the pattern. It's been built onto. Usually, when something's been built onto like this, it's because it was a natural area that interacted with natural phenomena, and they viewed it as sacred. So they accentuate it and make it a ritual spot. My bet is that that is what is going on with this serpent mouth. Oh, so, there's no doubt in my mind. So, also, we did some research, and guess what? There is a map that you can go to that's put out by the U.S. government that tells you about gravitational anomalies. And this area also falls in a heavy area <clears throat> known for gravitational anomalies in Logan County. Literally pegs the graph when it comes to the scale. Literally has much overlap as of right now that we have seen from just the research that we've done. So, we're going to go out and test it. Now, here's how it fits in. Okay? So, we're zooming out. We're talking about this principality that's over the area these people were worshiping this principality um, we've talked about that a little bit in dark holler stuff we've talked about that in some of the native american principality stuff we've talked about on here and so we're going to be diving deeper into that and you guys are going to get the first look before anybody else does and so uh rishi you got anything you want to add to that Bo, you got anything you want to add to it i'm just excited about all this Bo is over here just like Digging into it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually trying to find my conversation with said historian. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm pumped about it. I hope I can make it out there with you guys yeah. for this, this yeah. Serpent Mound uh expedition, we'll call yeah. it. Um I, I just appreciate being brought in on all this. this yeah. is, no, this, even this if you great. have to work, Josh has to work that day. It's late enough in the evening you should be able to make well, it. Well he might I have should. other things going on too. I should. Um so here's why I think that it's significant. It connects into the, the Shadow Appalachian Dark Holler yep. stuff at a spiritual level. But um, there's also a historical thing here, too, that we're aiming at. This Again, this is an area that's been forgotten. This is a, a structure that has been forgotten, an earth, uh, earthwork that has been forgotten. There's not even a historical marker. So we're hoping that if we can go out and prove these things through testing, um, that we can make the case that, hey, you have something that is constructed in a similar way to the Great Serpent Mound yeah. and other <clears throat> things like Stonehenge, um, the Sphinx, in your own backyard. Yeah, and nobody even, knows about it. Yeah, even apart from the paranormal significance, like right. docu investigating and documenting any phenomena, any activity, just to be able to have the historic you know, precedence back for it, yeah. just to have it protected, that's... Yeah. Well, so this documentary that we're working on now may not just have great spiritual significance but maybe even great historical significance for our region and uh man it's exciting like to yeah. think that there's something on the level of a stonehenge or a great serpent mound or a, a sphinx or something like that in your own backyard and nobody knows about it, and you get to be the people who explore it and test these things 
That's exciting stuff. And so you guys are going to be along for the ride. Um, you guys are going to get to know about this stuff where anybody else does. And you may get to play a part in something that may be, maybe not, maybe, maybe we're wrong, but maybe turning out to be historical and you're going to know about it before anybody else does. And so we hope you guys are excited about that. And um, so be on the lookout. There's going to be updates for the, uh, for this stuff coming. Oh, absolutely. Behind the scenes videos, yep. more trailers, uh, little mini sods and vlogs. So yeah. a lot more detail coming. Yep. And Bo is welcome to be on that adventure as well to share with his people too. I mean, yep. that helps get it out to more people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Thank he gets you. to be a part of it too. And um, so we hope you guys are excited about that. Bo, we know you're excited about it. Absolutely. And uh, so we, uh, we, when's the expedition date, Richie? Go ahead. Tell it me. is October 21st. October 21st. Okay. And so after October 21st, there's going to be content dropping on here, and the trailer's going to drop before then. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's going to be some new trailers coming here soon that actually uh, feature some of this. Yeah, footage. this first trailer we got is sort of a concept trailer. It's a first look. Yeah. But the first main trailer comes at the release of Ward's episode. Right. So. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, you guys got anything else for this uncut edition? Tons, but no time. Tons, but no time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. very pressed He's on cutting a clo- We're cutting it close. We are. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning <clears throat> in to this week's Uncut Edition of The Sword and Staff. We thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. See you then. Bye.